Illinois. I remember waking up on Black Friday. I remember waiting to see the Cornhuskers take the field and knowing as a young kid, even in New York City, even in Pennsylvania, that that man on that helmet meant the very best of the very best of the very best. And to every nine-year-old, 10-year-old, 11-year-old kid in the state of Nebraska and across the country, we will not rest until that means that to you. So thank you guys very much. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast with Dave, Honky, Boomer, and Redcast Rob. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, Honky, and I'm with Redcast Rob. Well, I would just like to say that while Dave is not here, everything, as far as we know, is good with him, and he should be joining us later, and I would hate to, like, give out any bad news prematurely as I wouldn't want to uh, throw any egg on my own face or anything like that. Sure. Sure. Uh, with Boomer too. Well, I just like to send a quick message to Creighton. Would you knock off these losses here? You're really kind of doing a number on our uh, tier tier one wins for basketball this season, guys. Come on, pick up the pace. Yeah, my goodness. What did, we do? did we break them? We must I, I have. I, there's no other answer for it. I mean, they haven't won since. And they dropped the out of the rankings this week. Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, meanwhile, Arizona boat raced them. Arizona boat raced Indiana. You know, Nebraska loses by one score, of course, to Purdue. Purdue is ranked number one. Arizona only goes up two places in the standings or one place in in the rankings. I don't understand college football. I don't understand the AP voting. Well, that's college yeah. basketball, but yeah. that regardless, we'll like get to that, suppose, and we'll get to, to all the other things that are going on right now in, in Husker Nation. Uh, before we do, let's uh, talk about a couple of the upcoming episodes and uh, and some of our sponsors here. Uh, on Thursday of this week at 8.30, uh, we're bringing back the second season of the Fan Forum. So Ken and Scott McCone of uh, the Generation Red podcast, the Kettle Corner Husker Fan podcast, the Father Son podcasters are going to be joining us. So that's Thursday at uh, 8.30 p.m. live. Uh, next up is the Redcast Bowl Pick'em. Now, Dave, I think Dave's still playing B on this tonight. If not, uh, we can just kind of say what this is. He just uh, got this thing set up this morning, and I think I've already seen about 20 or so people that have joined it. Uh, you can get to it off of the links on uh, social media that we have, but this is really cool. This is the, the first year where we have, I think, some legit prizes in the past. Uh, one of them was – a picture of me, you know, handing out uh, some shrimp cocktail. Uh, this is actual prizes. Oh, you were handing it out. You were just eating it. Yeah, yeah I was just eating it. That's right. Um, but this time, uh, we have Alumni Hall giving out $50 gift card to the to the winner, $25 gift card to second place. We'll also have additional prizes. I'm sure some Redcast swag and all that. So get yourself signed up for that. But the first game, I think, is the 16th. So that would be this Friday or Saturday. But uh, – yeah, go ahead and get yourself uh, signed up for that. And it looks like Jack yeah. Mitchell might be joining our uh, bowl pick'em too. I just tweeted it out to him, and he liked the tweet. So, Jack, if you're listening, we'd love to beat up on you in the uh, bowl pick'em there. So, there you go. Well, thank you to Alumni Hall there for sponsoring that. Uh, thank you for Alumni Hall being a sponsor. Period here with their two Lincoln locations, downtown 1120P and South Point Pavilions, behind and south of Barnes and Noble. Um, this weekend. <clears throat> excuse me, this weekend uh, had a chance to head down to the alumni hall at, uh, right before the basketball game, the one that's downtown. 
and uh, meet up with some of the pipeline players that uh, are selling the pipeline jerky. So here's a photo. It was me with my twin, uh, Bryce Benhart. You can barely tell any difference. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun there. And while you're at it, you can go to pipeline.jerky.com. Use Redcast uh, at checkout. You get 10% off uh, on that your like order. like Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger right there. <laughs> yes. That's my best Donald. Um, and then uh, Smack and Smooch, custom shirt specialty items. You can find them at Smack and Smooch on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, that's where we get all our great shirts and koozies and all that good stuff. And last but not least, hailvarsity.com slash subscribe. Use Redcast at checkout. Get 10% off your annual subscription. So with that, we have Dave back here. Uh, Dave, hey. can you hear us? Hey, what's up, guys? How's it going? How you doing, buddy? Doing Perfect good. Timing. Just very busy holiday season and uh, couldn't quite get back in time. So I apologize, guys. But, you know, it's it's that time of year. Yeah. Well, we just got through all the the uh, good. I hate that stuff, stuff anyway. So it's good. Well, but stuff one that of makes them money. Maybe, I really don't want to talk about. <laughs> and one of them, maybe you can talk a little bit about is that we did put up the uh, the bowl pick them so uh yeah that alumni hall is going to be giving out some some uh some actual prizes this year yeah that's awesome that's the first time right i mean before we've handed out pictures of honky eating spoiled shrimp and i don't know (laughs) guest appearances on this show but now you actually can make you know real real money here there's gift cards at Mm -hmm. alumni hall that's awesome um so yeah looking forward to that bowl season kicks off on friday is that right guys yeah, I think so. I, I was looking at the schedule, and Mountain Time, me and Rob can watch a bowl game at like 9.30 on Friday morning. I'm like, why am I watching a bowl game at 9.30 on Friday morning? I don't know. <laughs> and why would you want to hang out with me at 9.30 on a Friday morning? Is <laughs> oh, I'm not watching it with you, that's for sure. <laughs> hey, we wa- you know what, though, Dave? We have watched we have watched the NCAA tournament that early in the morning together on, on multiple Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 that's yeah, that's, true. that's, yeah. That's legit. Well, it's 10 o'clock usually, you know, the tournament. But 9, 9.30 here, Mountain Time Friday. Um, so if you're not doing anything on Friday morning, yeah, go ahead and start enjoying bowl season. But, um. Yeah, looking forward to the Redcast Bowl Pick'em. I haven't even made my selections yet, but I'll be in there. And uh, I don't know if Rob or Boomer actually has the results. Have we talked about the uh, the winners of the actual regular season Pick'em contest? We should probably do that one of these days, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think it is final, so we might want to bring that up. But, I don't know. I stopped um, picking so long ago, I don't even remember anymore. So. Well... Rob, you're you're quite certain that you had won our actual betcast. I, uh, I did. I you, think you we probably even out on that, huh? You gave yourself an extra win, but percentage. All right, so win. let's eliminate that extra win, Rob. And what's the final score? I think we tied. That's correct, Rob. Yeah, That's correct. Good. And just because you took a week off, I didn't. We all took a week off. You just. I did not take a week off. Sigh. <laughs> anyway, uh, I do have the winner of the Pick'em Contest, so there we are. It is uh, Rob Holo 423 uh, Rob, that's not you, obviously. No, no. Yeah, 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 that's it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's the ticket. <laughs> I, mean, I, I with, with my wife. With my wife, Morgan Fairchild. So Rob oh, finished 26. Uh, what uh, What about yourself and, and uh, me and Skip? I was 19th. Dave, you were 14th. We were just a little around 500 each. Producer Skip won for the Redcast, finishing ninth. 162 That's of pretty 150. Good. So, yep. So, 
But a lot better than he uh, did on our actual pickums during the year. So let's make sure we can pick. uh, Make sure that Rob Julio four two threes. Yes, it was a it was a tight squeeze. He beat Husker Brad by one game, so it was very close. Hmm. All right, all right. Well, I think our our bet was or our prize was actually be on the show. Correct. Well, that was second prize. First prize means you didn't have to be on the show. (laughs) (laughs) Probably probably a good idea. But anyway, Honky, yes, uh, the Capital One Bull Pick'em is live. Please join up. And the games start on Friday morning. So get in now. And what is our group again there, Dave? It's the Go Big Redcast Bull Pick'em. Okay, and that's just what it's, it's the, called on ESPN. ESPN, right? yeah. And join Correct. the Go Big Red Cast Bowl Pick'em. And now, Scarlet Colored Glasses. We'll start here with, uh, a week ago, we sent out a poll, and it was what the CU Nebraska hashtag should be. Now, as we all remember from 2019, it was uh, hashtag CU Red Out. Uh, but I think that it's probably that's time to retire that one. That was a loss anyway, so it's time to move on and and get a new one out there. So we had a lot of good responses last week, a lot of them. The one that got the the highest vote was uh, Make Boulder Red Again, and then of all the other ones that came in that uh, people just wrote in, uh, we did See You in September, Colorado, and the last one was Paint Ralphie Red. So right now you can go to our our Twitter page for the next three days and through the end of the week and – and vote on that. And whatever the, the highest vote getter is, uh, that will be the, the official hashtag that we use for basically the, the remainder of this off season. Uh, Cause we are going to, we're going to get, we're going to make so, that place red. So honky, why don't you pull that back up again? Mm-hmm. I just want to uh, quiz uh, you guys a little bit. What does the name Colorado mean in Spanish? Oh yeah. The, uh, it's colored red or something like that. Yeah, Exactly. There you mm-hmm. go. Yeah, we had That's somebody cool. somebody responded with a real long thing about that, and then Johnny, uh, Johnny on Twitter responded. He goes, "That's too long of a hashtag." This guy's response was like a paragraph of, of <laughs> the history of what Colorado means. Um, this was interesting, though, is that uh, this one guy, and I'm trying to read it here. See you buff stats or whatever. He goes for those of you wondering about Huskers buying season tickets. It's been confirmed deposits are non-refundable, and priority will be given to those with Colorado billing <laughs> addresses. Blah blah blah. All I know is I responded. I go newsflash. There's apparently no Nebraska fans with Colorado billing addresses. P.S. Half the Redcasts have Colorado billing addresses. So, um, yep. even I, I don't buy that to begin with. But even if that was the case, uh, there's going to be plenty of people that can find a way to get their hands on a Colorado mailing address. We're going to find out. Well, mm. and not only that, but um, I got a phone call from them asking if I wanted to put down a deposit for season tickets. I did for one. Rob, you might not want to make this public. You might lose, you know, I won't lose anything because I've paid them in the past for tickets. So it's not even that big of a deal. And the guy even told me that they're not limiting it to Colorado addresses because right now I think that same Colorado stats guy or whatever he's called, who cares? um, He uh, said, Oh, well they've raised half a million dollars in season ticket deposits. Well, a little bit of math will tell you that's 3,300 season ticket packages that they have secured deposits on in a 50,000-seat stadium. So I'm guessing there's going to be tickets available and season ticket packages available to plenty more people out there. Yeah, I just like the challenge of it. I I just like the challenge that their their AD, you know, calls us out on the uh, Prime's uh, welcoming uh, press conference. Never a good idea. 
Never a good idea. Don't the number one thing with Husker Nation, don't challenge Husker Nation. Uh, <laughs> moving on, <laughs> moving on. Let's talk a little bit transfer portal here, Dave. And uh, this is from yeah. Max Olson. And this was a week ago, so the numbers are, are well beyond this at this point. This was from December 9th, but he goes, We will soon surpass a thousand FBS scholarship players in the transfer portal. The breakdown of active players by position, and he goes position by position there. Um, I haven't even seen what the, the most recent number is, but again, well surpassing that. And, uh, and it's, it's everywhere. It's, you know, so a school like Nebraska going through a transition. Yeah. We're going to have some guys in there, no doubt, but everyone does. And and this is the same thing we would have said last off season. Right. I mean, just, it's a, it's a part of the game now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you used to do the math on that and there's only 130 FBS programs and a, a typical incoming class is, 20, 20, you know, student athletes or so. I mean, like, I mean, you just, if you're going to have a thousand guys in the transfer portal, you're just not going to have that many spots. It's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Right. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, there's a lot of risk. Um, I mean, and some clearly benefit from this. I mean, the quarterbacks in particular, I mean, when they can prove out their value and there, there's a, NIL opportunity out there. Um, it, it's almost motivation to transfer unnecessarily. But um, once you start ticking down that list, at some point it becomes um, pretty pretty uh, negative uh, on the results yeah. standpoint. Yeah. Well, Boomer, can you show that that one, uh, that quote again there from Kurt Payne? I right. saw some stats that 47% of transfers don't end up at the FBS level. And whether, you know, how true that exact stat is, it, it's probably not far off. And it, and it does show that there's, there are winners and losers in all this too. We've seen enough yeah, cases sure. now. There's enough years of the portal where you've seen the guys that made the transfer and they don't end up at a, another FBS school or a power five school. Yeah. They, and they and that even really, really tells the full story. Right. I mean, like, that's, I mean, you, you could read that and say, wow, it's a r- real negative. Uh, there, there could be, you know, out of that 47%, half of those or 20 some percent of the people that transfer, uh, maybe they go down to FCS and actually still get a scholarship and they actually mm-hmm. play a lot and they, yeah. you know, yeah. have a, a good academic uh, opportunity and, and they get to play football and, and they move on. Right. You know, I mean, there's a lot of playoff, folks that, you know, yeah. So things like that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but I mean th- that also means there's there's also maybe 10, 20, 30 percent that um, might even drop far, farther from that list or or don't even get picked up at all, right? You know, I mean, I don't know if anybody's taking the deeper dive on all those numbers, but there's a lot of story there. Yeah, you can always have the, the McCaffreys too, who who transfer because they don't want to play wide receiver just so they can go to another school and play wide receiver. Yeah, you know, I mean that's. I mean, Luke was the leading wide receiver at Rice. I don't know. Could he transfer again? Could he come back? <laughs> I'm sure he could. Yeah. NCAA nowadays, Dave, you get like 10 years to play. So. Yeah, I mean, I think he has a graduate transfer in him at least, right? Well, who's the, the quarterback? Warner come back? I don't know. The quarterback, um, JT Daniels, that started at Georgia. Or did he start at UCLA? No, he started, started at USC. USC. Goes to Georgia. He played at USC. He started for him. Jeez. Goes to Georgia. Goes to West Virginia, and now he has a seventh year that um, is potential, or he's going to transfer again with the seventh year. And I mean, the COVID stuff just kind of gets things all all screwy. Um, when I was at Alumni Hall over the weekend, and I had a chance to talk with Kevin Williams, who was on the the Redcast back in in February, he had just 
um, submitted papers to the NCA, and he hopes to know by like Christmas time on if he will get a sixth year. Essentially, um, I think it is. So he's he's petitioning for. Or no, I think it is. I think he said it was a seventh year. It, so he's petitioning so, for that. To be clear, so it's a medical red shirt he's going after. Is that right? It, I, I'm guessing at that point it yeah, must yes. be when you yeah. when you start yeah. going into to that. And it would so, be his second medical know. red shirt. You can get mm-hmm. a second medical red it's shirt. It's been it would be a second medical because he's had a medical red shirt at UNC as well as I believe he redshirted his freshman year. Well, how many games did he play this year though? Like actually get into? I think it was less than maybe less than four. I know that the one game where he got injured, yeah, that would be the he was starting. Player, the one game that he got injured, he started and he pancaked a couple guys, and then all of a sudden he was off the field. So I don't yeah, know. I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for that because that. Yeah, I am. I am too. I I just I'm not quite sure he. I would love to have him back, Kevin. If you're listening, love to have you back on the show yeah. and kind of talk about it a little bit more. Um, yeah, maybe we'll talk a little about the O line here coming up. But I mean, yeah. I, I just don't know if um, what what scenario that is. But you know, yeah, there's a lot of opportunities to play a lot of football, and I mean, there's a lot mm-hmm. of quarterbacks. JT Daniels, I, I don't I don't blame the guy, right? I mean, if if your NFL prospects aren't high and you can transfer again and make another six figures somewhere. I would probably do it, right? Yeah, that's the thing right now. I mean, the money. I mean, I've heard we've heard stats, and we we know what some of these guys have made. I mean, it's yeah. it's substantial enough for the the high end guys. It's substantial enough yep. that at least makes you pause for a second if you want to come back for one more year. I mean, it's one thing you know yeah. to come back and just get your education, but if you can come back and get your education, and get another couple six figures, you know that's that's not the worst thing in the world there. So. Honky, um, were you making six figures when you were 24? Um, well, not legally, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> why are you always uh, stealing my why are you always stealing my life, Honky? Yeah, I know, I know. Um, next up in tweets, this one here, I, I want to get your guys' feedback on this because I thought this was that somebody responded to one of our posts and they were they were kind of crapping on a couple of in-state kids that one guy is a, a recruit and one guy's a, a current Husker that is in the portal that's from in-state. And basically they, the argument was that, you know, I'm just tired of these instant kids. If you don't have that kind of, you know, loyalty, blah, 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 then, then, you know, good riddance. And I just quote tweeted the guy and then he eventually, he, I think he quit Twitter, but I just wanted him to delete the tweet. But anyways, he goes, honest, I go honestly tired of this argument. Nebraska kid looks elsewhere. So, so forget him. A major transition went on inside the program that these young men had zero control over, have no issue with any player taking a step back to evaluate the situation like Jamari Butler did and came back GBR. The idea that, you know, that some in-state kid has to show more loyalty than anyone else when there's all this transition going on. I mean, you don't even, some cases you don't even know who your position coach is and everything. I have no issue with a kid going into the portal or, or decommitting to take a step back to, to look at what's, what's out there and, and hopefully, hopefully, if, if all is, is well, the example of Jamari Butler was great this last week. He he went into the, the the portal, he looked around, he got the feedback he wanted, he probably met with the new DC who just got hired, and now he's a husker again. So so the portal doesn't mean you're gone and decommitting doesn't mean that you you won't come back. But I don't love Husker fans going out there and and on Twitter saying, hey, good riddance and we didn't want you and this and this and this either. It's looking like Coleman might come back too. I, I, apparently, on threes, giving like a hundred percent, you know, confidence or whatever that the Malachi Coleman's going to recommit well, to Nebraska and after this weekend. And 
what Malachi, I believe. Malachi, I'm sorry. I'm Malachi, Malachi. I'm sure we get Malachi. I, you know what, man? Awesome first name, personally. I, you um, know, I mean, you know, it's Beatrice, you know, not Beatrice. And it's Colonel. Yeah, 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 yeah it's um, all right. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Rob, it's, it's a good point. Point well taken that, I mean, that's another example of a an actual high school student who has committed, had decommitted and is now reconsidering. And to hockey's point, I mean, you're going to have a coaching change here and a transition opportunity to, to make sure that you're making the best decision and understand what that new coaching staff has to offer. A little bit different than obviously someone who's already been in the program. Um, but I mean, it, it's, it's something that's, it's happening. I think we're going to see more of that here over the next uh, couple of weeks. So. And mm. before any before any Redcast fans jump all over me for getting the name wrong, I barely remember my own kids' names. Okay, so let's just be clear on that. Like, that's that's true. Yeah, yeah, that's right, Bob. <laughs> it's never Bob. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my friend, my friend David. We went out one time. David and I went out, and he lost his ID. So I've just been calling him Dave ever since. I call myself David all the time, Rob. It's fine. I should prefer that. <sighs> I'm trying to tell a dad joke. Yeah. Didn't work. Um, All right. What's up, Honk? What's our next up? Next up. This was from Sidelines Clemson ACC Champs on Twitter. Deion Sanders stood in front of 40 kids and told them to leave because they weren't good enough for him. He then pulled scholarships of kids committed to the school because they weren't good enough. He then offered the most money possible to every four or five star on the list. Not rooting for that. Um, there's a lot in there. Dave, you, I think you have a point you want to get to here. Yeah, well, actually, I mean, anybody can answer this question of mine. Maybe Boomer's already uh, watched the entire, I think, is there a 15-minute video that he actually, I've, I've heard that he, actually, there's a lot more to that speech than that that 30-second soundbite that hit Twitter, right? Because, I mean, I think mm-hmm. and there's a lot more to saying, like, hey, you're going to have to be here to compete and all that type of stuff. I mean, like, do you feel like maybe the uh, the media kind of twisted that uh, soundbite a little bit? Yeah, I think it's definitely – that segment did come across pretty harsh if you just listened to that segment, Yeah, think, like you said, Dave. And in fairness, you know, when you're head coach, that's the kind of stuff that's going to happen. You know, people are going to look for soundbites. We're a soundbite culture and with social media. Yep. That's what you're going to get. And yep. People aren't going to sit down and listen to a 15-minute you know, speech for the most part, unless you're crazy like most of us, you know, that are listening to the show right now. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and and True. that's part of what I think Sanders is going to be. He's going to be that guy that draws you're gonna throw it out there. clicks and yeah. going to be, you yep. know, people want to get little bits and pieces, throw it out on social media. And, you know, for good or ill, that's what Colorado is going to be for the next couple of years. Is that kind of Deion mm-hmm. Sanders show? So yeah, I don't think, De- I don't think Dion, I don't think Dion hates the fact that, that only his sound bites got out there. I mean, that Dion's nope. he's a, oh, he's a promoter and, and yeah. So, the, but to your point that there was more to it than just the, the five second or the 10 second, you yeah. know, video of him going in there and basically saying, you know, I want all of you guys gone, um, which yeah. is how it came across. Now I I'll admittedly, I haven't watched much more than that. Did what else did he kind of go on to say, I guess, for the, was that I was have that not part? watched all 15 minutes either, but okay. uh, I have I've watched a little bit more. And I mean, if you put it in context, I mean, it's more about competition. Say, hey, I'm bringing guys in here. But I mean, if you want to compete, you can be here. But, you know, if not, get the heck out of here. Right. I mean, it's one of those like challenge type statements. Right. Opposed to like none of you guys are good enough and get the heck out. It was more of a challenge to rise to the occasion. Right. That that we are going to bring guys in. 
and 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 if you can compete, you'll be fine, right? I mean, I'm paraphrasing obviously here, but I, mm. I think that I think the the soundbite was like, none of you guys are here. Everybody transfer out. I want <laughs> zero people on scholarship, and I want to start fresh, right? Which in some ways, I mean, people have. If you listen to folks that have have seen what Matt Rule has done at Temple and, and Baylor, he kind of took a similar approach, a fire cell approach of like, let's. Knock the whole house down. I am tearing it down to the foundation. I'm going to build it back up, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I think, you know, soundbite-wise, I think you're exactly right, Honky. I think Dion was completely fine in how it came out because it's going to shock and awe folks. But and when anybody's shocking odd, he wants to get into that that little little crack in the door and say like, hey, but what I'm really saying is let's compete and, and be the, the best we can possibly be. And if you're good enough to be on my team, I'll, I'll take you. Right. Mm. And um, yeah. Yeah. And, and it should be noted with Matt rule for completely different circumstances at both temple and Baylor, that that approach of tearing it down and building it back up didn't lead to a lot of wins in year one. So nope, uh, sure doesn't. That, that approach is going to be problematic at Nebraska. If, if you went to and 10 in year one, that the Husker fans aren't looking for it that. It could happen. And I don't know at, at Colorado what their fans would be like with the two and ten first season either. You know, I mean, the, so you've got it. Well, that would I technically keep, double their wins from this year. So yeah, actually, you know, yeah. But but Coach Rule even talked about that in one of the many interviews I've listened to him so far, where you know he he mentioned that you know yeah this is a a, a rebuild and you got to build it and build it the right way. But he also said you've got to win games along the way. That you know he and look that's just stating the obvious. It, um. It would be a real – it's a real hard sell, no matter how much you want to sell um, development and being a developmental program. It's a real hard sell if that comes along with a, a record anywhere near what his first-year record was at those those two predecessor schools. Boomer, I mean, I think it's a, it's a valid question here. Is With an eight-year contract worth $74 million, which 90% is guaranteed uh, – would someone like Rule risk the public relations disaster that a a one and eleven or two and ten season results in, if as long as he's staying true to his process and he believes that that process is going to deliver double digit victories in year year three, almost guaranteed, um, does he just like live with the the PR disaster of going two and ten in year one? He just doesn't care about the wins and losses. If they win, great. If they lose, great. I don't care. But I believe in my process. I, you know, I'm committed to this. I don't care. Well, he kind of comes across that way. I know, like Honky said, you know, he mentioned you have to win games in the way, but he's he's talked enough about it being a process that I don't think he he himself worries too much about what the preseason is going to be. And he's, in some ways, he almost kind of seems to be recruiting. We're not firing him. Yeah, we're not firing right. him in one year. I mean. You know, he doesn't really seem to necessarily be at this point recruiting for that right away. I mean, we're still we don't have a quarterbacks coach yet. He's kind of taking his time assembling the staff that he wants. You know, I think a lot of our, our players aren't entirely sure where we're headed yet. I mean, it surprised me that we still nobody's left the coaching or the the quarterback room yet. I mean, that nobody's transferred out. Yeah, yet. sure. They probably sure. don't know what they're doing yet. So, I think this first year, I think if we win. Brule would be pleased with it, but I don't think he's he himself doesn't depend on you know going out and winning nine games or something this you know this next year. Now, how the fan base take it? Eh, 
you know, can you take one, the fire? Is the question, right? Yeah, one or two, one or two win season means <laughs> you know you might be losing Northern Illinois and La Tech somewhere on the way, and that yeah. could be kind of could be kind of rough. But and again, some of it also kind of goes with you know how the team looks in these games. If you're getting blown out constantly, yeah, it's one it, thing. It boomer competitive, yeah, that's another. Yeah. Do me a, do me a favor when I, Honky's dying to jump in here. Could you look up Baylor's year one and see who he actually lost? To go one and eleven in sure. the Big Twelve means he lost two non-conference games. I'd be curious what those were. To your point, Honky, I, I think that I mean one and eleven is an extreme here. I mean, All right, get it right in front I, of me when you're ready, Dave. Yep. One second. It's just that, like, I think we do play what La Tech in Northern Illinois, and and look, we can lose to anyone, but I mean, like, just from a X's and O's and and bodies, we should win two of our three non-conference, and Colorado is likely should be a win too. You could argue we could win Northwestern with, uh, you know, again how they they've been playing. So that's three or four wins uh, that are on there, but I mean. I mean, if you go one and eleven, what does that actually look like, Boomer? What, what did Baylor do in? Let's see, the first year with Bent Ruler in twenty seventeen, yeah. one and eleven, they opened the season with losses to the Turner Gill uh, Liberty Flames, uh, the UTSA mm-hmm. Roadrunners, and then the Duke uh, Blue Devils in non-con, and all fairly, relatively close losses. All three of those teams were above five hundred by the end of the year, so it wasn't like they were complete crap, but. Uh, okay, yeah, so all right, been pretty tough. Then you know, played number three Oklahoma fairly close and. Kind of struggled the rest of the year. Almost beat West Virginia, lost by two, and did beat Kansas by the end of the year. So there's mm-hmm. that, I guess. <laughs> well, and and as I mentioned at the at the beginning, talking about those other two schools he was at with completely different circumstances. I mean, the circumstances at Baylor, you know, where he basically got down to where he had about forty five guys on scholarship at one point during that first off season. Um, this is a different world too now. This isn't 2017. So as we started to see. And we'll get into a little bit of the recruiting stuff. Um, some of the guys they starting to bring in now with the with the transfer portal, you know, the you have the opportunity to transition your team faster than what he would have had back in 2017. So to bring in so, yeah. a Ben Scott, an off, you know, got an offensive lineman this last weekend they brought in from Arizona State who has over two seasons of starting at Arizona State as a guard and I think or as a center and I think maybe a tackle. But anyways, that's a guy that if you can get him to flip here. That's that's an immediate player right away in year one that could be given and get him twenty some starts at Arizona State. I mean, yeah. a legit P five starter and get him here in January, not in May. Yep. Get him here in January and through the process. Yep. You know, that's how you can flip a, a, a roster faster than what you could do in the past. At the same token, we're going to lose some guys to the portal too. I mean, so that's just the portal swings both ways, and that's why we we always kind of say don't you know don't freak out too much when one player leaves because we're usually going to get someone else. Um, yeah, Rob. Well, so there are also two unique circumstances, I guess. I don't, Boomer. I don't know. Did you mention this? So you can stop me. But the year that he took over Temple too was their first year in the American Football Conference. So it was like a new conference, new coach, new team, probably having to build their team differently for an entirely different league that involved teams like Cincinnati, Houston, U, Louisville, UCF. Right? Like so. You're coming into a new league already as it is, which doesn't really always guarantee that you're going to start winning games immediately. You're also a brand new coach your first year. So, and then Baylor, obviously, you know, as Honky just mentioned. So, you know, it it's a little bit hard for me to also judge those first years at those schools, you know, because they are unique situations, much like ours, right? But we're also 
a team that is in a conference that we've been in for a while and we kind of know what we're up against. Yeah, yeah, I, I get it, Rob. I, I totally That's, agree. I, I think I, big... Well, can you call that Kool-Aid? Yeah. I don't know, but, you know. Well, it's not even Kool-Aid. I, I just think – I think your point here to me is that it's just so – it's a nice glass, Rob. I like Rob's actually showing off a Kool-Aid glass. I don't think there's Kool-Aid in there, but no, um, but your point, Rob, I mean, you're right. Every situation is different. And a lot of people just simply point to like, well, Temple and Baylor only won one game in their first year. Obviously we're only going to win one game in our first year. And, and that's probably a, a bit of an exaggeration, but I think it's fair to say also that I think rule is, is committed to doing this the way he wants to do it. And the wins and the losses are somewhat secondary to the process of building a program. That's what he wanted, a program builder. And so he's going to tear some things down to get there. And that sometimes will, I mean, your your growth might be stunted a little bit because of that. And that really could be frustrating. Well, how much more stunted can it be, though? Well, that's, that's part of it right now is the expectations. There's no better time to come into Nebraska and – try to build a program and tear things down a little bit because yeah, I mean, it, we want to go to uh, my expectation for next season is a bowl game. That's what, that's what I want to see. I want to see six. And, six awesome. and I think that's a, Love and I think that's a great football. expectation for him in year one. Now, Dave, where you and I would butt heads last off season. And by the way, I would have loved your expectation. You just wanted to get to a bowl game with frost there in year five. You yeah, just wanted six and six. And I was like, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't I say, that. I couldn't say year five of frost to go six and six. I just, I just couldn't do it, but I can do it in year one of rule. So, um, you know, this isn't an all or nothing thing. If we don't go six and six, you know, firing coach, I'm not saying anything like that. I'm just saying my expectation right now is get to six wins. And whether that takes six weeks to do, or if it takes 12 weeks to do get to six wins next year, I think that would be an amazing start. And that's a really good expectation for a coach to be coming into versus coming into, we've had two coaches in the past fired with nine win records and that's a lot harder for some some guy to come into because Riley and Callahan when they were coming in they were trying to flip cultures and bring their guys in and do all that but they were doing it with hey last year's team went nine and four you know ten and three and and made bowl games and th- that's the expectation for you to do right away so yeah that's, that's right. that yeah that's that's bowl gonna be year my one or, phrase yeah my, my kool-aid <laughs> phrase for the year is we're going bowling like that that's my kool-aid phrase I think I think I've tempered my expectations to Dave level expectations. I'll reserve well, year three for national championships. Okay. I, I mean, look, expecta- expectations are a funny thing because they change all the time. They change from, you know, week to week. If you, if you start winning a couple games, I mean, we'll talk about basketball in a few minutes. You beat Creighton and all of a sudden the expectations get up there. Where it's like, well, maybe you should be competing with somebody. Now we, we just lost in overtime to Purdue, who's number one in the country, my expectations start to change now when we're going to play Iowa and Wisconsin, these other teams in the Big, the big Ten. Because you lost by one they, score on a terrible call. Well, I'm just – I don't even want to I don't even want to get into that part yet. It's simply the expectations start to change when the team shows something. So if we go out there and we, we beat a team early sure. in the season that, that you're not expecting, all of a sudden that, that the talk of just going six and six isn't – you know, doesn't stay doesn't stay true anymore. If you're if you're showing that you're actually you know beating, we beat Minnesota on the road, and then you go out and you beat Colorado on the road. Oh my God, you're two and zero, two road wins, and you're like, okay, hey, guess what? Expectations are changing, but um, but that's a lot of winning that has to happen first. So you know, yeah, 
That's right. That's right. Yeah, I mean, it, it's really hard to read next year, right? Because just purely from a talent perspective, we're not a one in eleven team. There's there's no way we should only win a game. Sure. Right. But I mean, to Rule's point about the whole process is that maybe you win less in year one because of that process. But we're gonna find out. That's what we're gonna do. Yeah, well, I don't expect them to take any shortcuts, but from a recruiting nope. standpoint, they are absolutely going out there. And here we have this uh, this slide up here. Um, I've got a few more guys to add to it, but this is a little bit of roster management. I can't even begin to tell you all the guys that have left over the course of the last two, three weeks since we've talked about it last. Yeah, but yeah. We've, had, we've had a number of guys out. Now we've brought in long snapper Marco Ortiz. He's a grad transfer from Florida for the new staff, and he's a, he's a long snapper. He's on scholarship. Uh, he's joining Quentin Ives, a prep running back wide receiver from New Jersey. Um, he had, yes, yeah, so there's the Quentin Ives. Uh, we had Arizona State offensive lineman Ben Scott in Lincoln this weekend, played in 28 games for the Sun Devils at both center and right tackle. Uh, he has not committed as far as we know yet, but he was here. Um, also, uh, Jalen Lloyd from Omaha Westside, uh, join him on Here's his tweet. Join me on December 17th at 1 p.m. at the Boys and Girls Club in Omaha, and I plan to you know, find out where I plan to spend the next four years. So he's down to Florida, Georgia, Illinois, Texas Tech, and Nebraska. Um, in addition to that, they just announced today cornerback Sincere Sifuala, uh, 6'2", 180 pounds from ING Academy. He is He's here. And then Juco D-End Edge Kai Wallen, 6'6", 235. He is committed, and there are some – there's rumors abound of other other commits or guys that are ready to commit here. Rob mentioned Malachi or however you said his name, Rob. And, um, you know, and so hopefully, I mean, I said Malachi and I'm not proud of it. Okay. Yeah. No, we're not, we're not, none of us are proud of that. But you also said Jerry Tag one time when we were talking about Taggy. That's so. true. Jerry Tag. That's right. <laughs> That's one of the first. So let's not make fun of Rob. Let's put you Rob. Know what, you Rob know what they fine. say: people who mispronounce okay. names and words are people who read, because that's the way that my brain sees it. So I'm not repeating it off of the only time I ever see Malachi's name is like on Twitter. So that's the way my so, brain is processing it because I read. Redcasters, Redcasters, <laughs> Rob is literate. That's what you need to know that he is not mm-hmm. illiterate. He can read. Um, is it, can you bring up like that uh, stuff or? Do you want that? Do you want this up here? Yeah, yeah, that's great. I think this is a really interesting list here. So, you know, I mean, like transition classes are always tough, right? And uh, yeah, I think the transfer portal is also going to be an interesting component of all of this. Um, but you know, I mean, I don't, I don't know what to think about long snappers. It, it, he's a grad transfer. We get one year with this guy, Marco Ortiz. I hope he's the greatest long snapper of all time. We, I typically think that we can find somebody from central Nebraska to be our long snapper and he does just fine. Um, so I don't understand why we need to do a, a, a scholarship, but that's fine. Uh, the running back from New Jersey, right? I mean, I'm, I, it's cool that we're back in New Jersey. He's also doesn't have uh, a lot of FBS offers, but I think he may have a lot of potential And this staff likes to think about development. So, I mean, if they see something special in this, this guy, I know that, um, EJ, the Bucktel, how do you say his last name? Um, the running back. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm the only one allowed to. Malachi, I think, Dave. Is how you're I, didn't, I, didn't, I, already, I couldn't even remember the name, Rob. So it wasn't a mispronunciation. Yes. I just didn't know it. Um, yeah. uh, like the guy. and so, But that's the type of player that might end up being our starting running back, but it's probably not going to be until he's like 
a junior, right? I mean, it's going to take a little bit of development on on that. Um, the uh, the very first commit of the rule class um, was a track star from Texas, right? He's mm. not highly recruited as a football player, has four two speed, and maybe um, could be a, a dangerous downfield weapon in the future, right? I mean, I think. Yeah. Ben same Scott, with, Jay, with Jalen Lloyd here from uh, from Omaha. Jalen Lloyd's a track star, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, that's a that's a great list, but I mean, a lot of those are track track offers, right? Yeah. Um, but I mean, if the you want to model, do yeah, track right. It's just different, right? And it's not like we're going after the absolute elite um, four star, five star player. Ben Scott, though, is a, a transfer who could be immediate playing time and has proven himself at the Power Five level. Just a really very diverse right now um, uh, a class that's being formed. And, you know, I mean, you have a half of a recruiting staff right now. Um, they're evaluating and, and offering as they go. And, I mean, that's what we're going to see for the next couple of weeks, I think. Mm. But something Rob, I did see on – well, something I saw on uh, on Ben Scott, his mom is from Columbus. And I yeah. guess – so I guess he has ties to Columbus and has, a, you know – a grew up a Husker fan. So it could be one yeah. of those things where we have a chance to get somebody back here. And, uh, but Rob, you were going to say something. Well, I was going to ask too, Dave, and this is actually a question because I haven't looked into this too much. And, you know, the process that Trev used to hi- use to hire rule, um, a lot of analytics were used. Right. And, and thanks to, you know, our good friend, Abby of the, of the red cast, like, you know, she has verified that there were a lot of things that were used to hire, um, you know, the coaches, the assistants, you know, all the way up to Matt Rule. So it's like, that's where we came up with like, you know, Satterfield is our offensive coordinator. And then they brought in, you know, so there's like a lot of things going into this. How much of those analytics do you think are being used to look at some of these players? Like, is this, you know, especially guys that are coming out of the transfer portal, like, are they looking at some of these players and maybe not just their in-game stats, but maybe, how those stats were effective in certain situations. I, and this is a question I'm posing. I'm just wondering like how much of that is, is being used. I mean, you're laughing. I don't know why you're laughing, but no, no, I'm, no. I'm well, I, I think the matrix analytical thing, which, I mean, we know these guys. So, I mean, I, I, I look forward to actually having a conversation with them at some point. I think that was heavily used for the rule hire. Yeah. I think beyond that, I don't believe that the, assistant coaches are, are using that same, they're not using the same data points there. Matt Rule is making those hires with, with his judgment purely almost. That'd be my take because I mean, there's no, I mean, I mean, they're all his guys. Uh, You can find it outside of Tony white at this point, you can draw connective tissue and actually Tony white actually, I mean, there's a little bit of connective tissue there with the UCLA thing. I mean, there's, there's, it's not math. I mean, it's, it's relationships, right? I mean, that's how, Matt rules hiring people. We can talk about that more because I think it's really interesting to think about this coaching staff. And I've and heard differently, that and that's why I'm, that's why I'm asking. Is I have heard. I don't see it. If okay. you can tell me how that's that's. I mean, maybe he has a list point. of people, and then he's like going through the analytics. Of he knows that, everybody but, on the list, though. Is well, the key. It, yeah, it's true. I I don't disagree, but so, I mean, the, you, the, you the list, list is created by by and, him saying these are the guys that I know that I trust. And then if there's analytics that, that are telling him that this guy's better suited for Nebraska than this guy, that that's fine. But yeah, the universe is being created by Matt rule there. He, he's not allowing outside forces to tell him you, you should hire this guy because of this data point. 
I mean, it's not happening. Sure. But I don't think – I have no idea about the players, though. I'd like to think that our, we're always using data to some degree to choose players, but I, I don't know. Yeah, and when you have these transition classes, some of these guys are going to be players that you've you've recruited in the past, maybe a player that you're bringing with you from another school. I mean, this is a, an interesting staff. This is not the same as, as Frost bringing his entire staff over from UCF. This is rule bringing yeah. a lot of buddies, but these buddies come from a lot of different schools and places now. Yeah, and, and to, to your point there, Honky, on that one, because rules coming from, from the NFL, there's a few examples, like the running, running backs coach bringing someone along that he had recruited on the East Coast. Um, but like the – the um, and what, what, what's Bryce's last name? I want to say Turner, but I don't think it is. From Texas. No, the, the very yeah, first. I, think you're, I think you're right, the, the guy that we – the. So it's like Jamal who's also from Texas yep. and is super fast, but Bryce Turner, um, uh, like a two-star football recruit, but a like probably a five-star track recruit, right? I mean, he's considered to be a legit track guy, and typically those the to to Rob your point of the Raiders, you know, mm-hmm. idea of speed first, right? I mean, Rule has a template where he will take players that may maybe not legit and uh um nca fbs division one type recruits um that they think after two or three years they can turn into very great players because they have the 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 just the um the numbers right the the dash time the whatever whatever they're looking at saying that we can turn that guy into a a, a really good player here Will that actually work in the Big Ten opposed to the Big Twelve or or mm-hmm. Temple? We're going to find out. That's exactly well, what it did out. with with. I mean, now it didn't translate always to wins, but like Thompson to Palmer, right? Like Palmer had that speed, that breakaway speed that could get open. If if Palmer. in fact Thompson does come back this year, um, you know, and he's got two wide receivers that are Trey Palmers that are able to like split the field and and open up the defense and everything. You know, that's a whole different. Well, well, what yeah, I would say though, today today is nearly a. Yeah, to Dave's point, Palmer was a not a developmental guy. He was get no, here now and right. get here for an entire offseason. They got him here in January, which is what I want with any of our transfer guys. We got a full offseason with him. I mean, I think of what Palmer's season would have been like if he had got here in June or July. There's a good chance it's not as good. You know, I mean, just natural acclimation and transition. So even a guy that's not a developmental guy still can benefit from being here. But, but he kind of had the benefit of all that. That's not what we're talking about here with with some of these guys that we're taking right now that are two to three year development dudes. Play for three years. Yep, yep. And that's and that's the thing about being patient. Can we be good enough without him playing and players like him playing? Can we be good enough to get to those six wins and up? I my my goal is six wins, whether it takes six weeks or twelve weeks, get to six, and we'll readjust. (laughs) We'll reevaluate after you know if it takes six weeks. To get to six, awesome. But but let's just get to six. Let's get to a bowl game at, at the very minimum next year. That's uh that's me pumping any brakes on any Kool-Aid there. Yeah. That's but I, it's what I, I mean, want to see. Trey Palmer had great speed, but he was also a five star football recruit, right? I mean, yes. like he legitimately, you know, and I mean, you know, he's a good route runner and you know, I mean hands weren't perfect, but good enough and he's he's probably gonna play in the NFL. I got a good feeling that he I just he's I love it, these right? I love these lines that Boomer has going across the bottom here. I mean, just bold year one by week six or start the new coaching church. Redcast honky paraphrasing. Thank you. 
Thank you for, for stating that. Well, this I'm is the last tweet of the week here. Matrix Analytical, yeah. who, as Dave said, we had them on. Uh, we had Dave Bartu and, and Professor, uh, Professor of College Football, Adam McClintock, over the summer. And uh, I've been talking with Adam, and we'll have him on here in the offseason. Uh, it's still kind of crazy time for them right now because they're, you know, they're still coaching carousel stuff going on. But anyways, this tweet here, the two biggest openings in 2020 added Matrix Analytical to their due diligence. It's not if, but when is your program going to take advantage of every edge? Staffing and coach search data available for every FPS coach, chief of staff, and AD. Fall behind, get left behind. Um, so, I mean, that there's the, the official thing. We we thought that uh, Trev had used – we knew he had used an analytical company. We didn't know if it was exactly um, uh, matrix analytical, but we now do. So uh, that was cool. And the fact that we had a chance to talk with those guys over the summer was was pretty cool. That's the tweets of the week. <laughs> An hour Ooh. into the show. <laughs> it's only 49 minutes, Rob. We got plenty oh. of time left. Oh. I would, I mean, do we need to like transition or we just keep on talking about football? I mean, yeah. Let's I, mean, I listened football. to Matt's rule was a great show. I mean, did anybody great. else listen to Matt's rule last week? Well, I had to, I was running oh, never, the production never. side yeah. of it. So, and, and oh, okay. no, but we did have uh, this uh, Matt guy. This Mac guy is really good, huh? Yeah, you should he get him really back is. on the show. Yeah, yeah. He, really is, really is. <laughs> he costs too much. Yeah. <laughs> well, the emotional, owner, the emotional toll it takes on all of us is is a the, little bit much. The NIL deal, we just got to sweeten the package for him. I'm thinking. I don't know. I, trust me, every time I come out to Nebraska, I try. Mm, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, football-wise, Boomer, I mean, there's been some good uh, comments, so maybe you could bring up a, a, a few. I mean, we could talk a little bit about the uh, the D coordinator, Tony White, mm. and what he's going to actually deploy here. I think that's a worthwhile conversation. I actually have a couple thoughts um, on that, too. So, uh, yeah, let's talk good, about Good, good. All right, so here's Kurt Payne asking, what are the odds we run a 4-3 defense, even though we hired a D coordinator that is not running that currently? Um, I'll start with Honky on, on that one. I mean, so the understanding, so Tony White, I mean, like, um, you know, I missed last week's show, guys. Uh, I actually had to work on my day job at night. Um, <laughs> but, um, I, you know, a lot of coaching hires here. It's really interesting. I, I don't know exactly what to make of it. I think Tony White is a little bit more outside the box um, than some of the, the earlier hires. And I, I think I, I, it, at some level, I really like it. I think he's – He's young, um, but with experience, I like the fact that he's coached uh, several locations, including the Power Five, and has the lineage with Rahi Long to say, like, hey, this guy has learned a certain system and he wants to do it. And that system has been proven time and time again over decades of college football. Um, but at the same time, when you tell me we're hiring a 335 guy hockey. I'm like, Oh no, are you kidding me? A three, three, what a three, three, five. We need to stop the run in the big 10. What are we doing with five people in the secondary? Mm-hmm. What do you think? Mark? Well, when, uh, when they beat uh, Purdue, so the one like opponent that Syracuse and Nebraska played, they held Purdue to 61 rushing yards. Now they gave up 424 passing yards to uh, Purdue. So with that, Five guys in the backfield, they, they had about as much trouble stopping them in the past as we did. But at least from a, a run defensive standpoint, they uh, they had better a better fare against the Boilermakers than we did. You know, th- I've read of some things. There was uh, one recruit that talked about how he had already talked with Tony White, Coach White, about um, the defense and that uh, there was going to be 
multiple fronts. Now, shoot me if that's the first time we've heard that. That was all last uh. season, the same thing. But but multiple fronts. And the other thing is, when you think of what the three three five is, really that's that's kind of what we ran in two thousand twenty one with JoJo. I mean, that's really what that was. Yeah. And so I wouldn't get too in in this is a little hypocritical coming from me because I've specifically said I want to see a four three. I'm just that's my own personal preference. I love the four three, but also yeah, I know you let's do. not get let's not get overworked up right now about specific alignment because you know you can make it you can make any of these things work and he's, and he has demonstrated success at a P five level running what they run. So hockey, I mean, like. I know you're like, hey, I don't want to, you know, wax poetic about the four three, but like, in, in a succinct manner, what do you like about the four three? I guess yeah. that the what three I, three five may not deliver. You know, the the three four in general, and there's three three five. You know, it's supposed to be more. You know, you have more options. You can bring this guy and bring that guy, and four three is a lot more straight ahead, right at you. I mean, you know, your two defensive ends and a true four three. We think of Trev Alberts as the perfect example. He was a stand-up outside linebacker up until his fourth year, and when he became an outside, when he became a D end, his his senior year and had 15 sacks, he wasn't dropping back into coverage. You had two D ends that were 230 to 250 pounds, roughly in that area. They're they're rush ends. You have two big old D tackles in the middle instead of three. You have two of them in the middle, and those guys they have to they have to take up double teams. That's their job. You do that. Now you've got three linebackers back there that can, you know, if you're taking up double teams with your two tackles, linebackers can get off, you know, clean. That's, I just, schematically, I just like it. I've seen it work so well. Now, at the same token that I say that, I also think recruiting-wise, what it takes to recruit to the 3-4 to get the, the type of lineman that you need in the 3-4, it seems like yeah, exactly. we have better options out here in this area of the country. We, we tend to do better getting four, three guys, um, you know, and I mean, I, Kevin Raymakers, the Terry Keneally's, I, you know, I can go down the whole Warren Kaiser, yeah. all those kinds of guys, they can fit into a four, three, a little better. But when you try to take Ben Stilley, who's, you know, comes there as an outside linebacker, let's throw 50 pounds on him so that we can get him to 290 pounds to play a three, four D end. I just, I, I think that's harder to do now, not all three, three fives and three fours are the same. So I don't know if Coach White's 3-4 is going to be the same as what uh, Shenander's was, which wasn't the same as what Diaco's was either. So there's yeah, a lot of right. things here. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm taking a lot of liberties acting like I know exactly how this is going to run. I don't. But uh, I'm just, you know, just a preference thing. And I'm trying not to be hypocritical. Preference thing, I like the 4-3. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's fair. That's what I wanted to hear from you. I appreciate the honesty there, honestly, because, mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's what we need to talk about, right? I mean, like, just to go ahead and just like, oh, the three three five is going to be great, you know? Like, no, let's like have a real dialogue here about like what what we could like or not like about it, right? And mm-hmm. I, I was listening to, um, I, I I can't remember which of the sixteen twenty shows today, and they had uh, this uh, um, uh, expert of, on, on defenses, and he was he was breaking down the three three five. Iowa State apparently has played this. Obviously, Baylor Baylor under rule was, was a three three five. Tony White has not coached um, directly under a rule. Runs a three three five. But the key with any of those, and same thing we heard when we heard about three four on under uh, Chens and, and and others, is is that the the guy in the middle is the key, right? 
And, yeah. and, and that's hard to get that one guy at the nose who can take on essentially two offensive linemen and stuff that right. And that's, that's a little bit different. Um, you know, Boomer, Rob, I mean, in your mind right now, who would that guy be on our current roster who could be the run stuffing nose tackle in a, a three man defensive front, Rob? I mean, ideally it would be Nash, right? Like you would think that he would get the physicality and the, he's already got the size. He's already got the, the will to win. I would hope um, he, it seems like he struggled a little bit in that, in that position, um, you know, to the last couple of seasons, but you know, a lot of things that we're hearing too, is that this new strength coach is going to be working a lot on flexibility and strength in those areas, yep. which is a lot different. Lower um, and, and, you know, and one of the things too, and, and it's funny cause I know honky loves the four, three, but he's also the one that kind of got me on board with this three, three, five, because he shared with us that video of that guy who broke down whites, three, three, five defense at Syracuse. Right. And the, and the guy broke it down. And one of the things too, and red casters, you're listening, please note this. He only ran a three, three, five, 40% of the time, 60% of the time he's running a lot of other defenses. And the nice thing about the three, three, five, and I'm noticing a lot in some NFL defenses as well, watching a lot of games is that what it allows to do, like, for example, and, and I swear to God, Dave, I'm not trying to bring the Raiders into this or anything, but one thing I noticed this weekend <laughs> Is that when their defense was going well, they were playing a, they were actually playing a three three five, and they were using, um, they were using uh, Max Crosby and uh, what's his name, the the big the big guy that they just signed, and all of a sudden his name escapes me because of course we'll call him Bob. Um, what's that? Yeah, we'll call him Bob. But they were using him and Chandler Jones. They were using them on the outside, and the guy on the TV actually said, "Yeah, this is actually you know." they took their three, three, five of, and they put these two defensive ends and made them hybrids and put them on the outside. So they had five guys lined up, but they had two DNs basically lined up far on the outside with almost nobody to cover. So by the time that they were bull rushing, whichever offensive lineman was unfortunate enough to have to cover them, they were already going to have the leverage at that point, right? Because they're two very athletic outside defensive end type of guys that weren't lining up right up against an offensive lineman to start. And so it gives the, the three, three, five gives you the flexibility to go maybe like a five, you know, five, two, four, or, a you know, five, three, whatever, you know, like you could basically just throw around a lot of different packages. You can disguise a lot of blitzes. There's a lot of things that you can do in that defense. I think that, um, so I think it's, it's going to be a hybrid defense. Is yes. that fair to say? I, yeah, I think hockey, so. I, hockey, and then I'm going to throw something to Boomer Hunk. Go for it. Yeah. You know, I think, um, you know, at the the key, the core of all this is is what Trev identified in the coaching search is that we need to win the trenches. And if you can win the trenches, whether you're in a three man front or a four man front, I guess alignment doesn't necessarily matter as much if we're winning the trenches. Now, part of winning the trenches might be some of the strength changes. Um, I had opportunity to talk to some of the linemen at the the pipeline uh, event at Alumni Hall this weekend, and we just talked about that a little bit. Uh, talked about. Um, the new strength coach and Kevin Williams, you know, said, yeah, man, you know, they're doing a lot of, it's a lot less weight. Corey Campbell. Is that right? Corey Campbell. Yes. Yes. Corey Campbell. Um, doing a lot less weight right now, more reps, a lot, lot less weight. You know, of course, you know, they're hitting muscles that they haven't hit before. We, we've heard that before. Right. But, you know, I, uh, I mentioned like with Duvall and, you know, was it that you guys weren't as flexible and everything? And, he, and I mean, he, came to the defense of Duvall in the sense that he goes, 
oh man, we were strong. Duvall got us strong. There was no concern yeah, about us not I, having I do strength. Think a good base there, yeah. Yeah, that so I mean it wasn't like him, you know, he wasn't sitting there crapping on the, the old coach. He was like, No, they he got us strong, but this one you can this new coach, you can tell there's gonna be a lot more um emphasis on that mobility and flexibility and, and all of that that comes along with it. So to Rob's point and to your point, Dave, if you're gonna run a three four, if it's gonna be successful, you need to have dominant nose tackle play. I mean, when we saw it at its best is when we had Damian Daniels in the middle just taking Works, up the middle. Yeah, so if that's Nash next year, or if it's someone that's not even on the team right now, that ends up being a portal guy or, or whoever it is, it's going to be somebody that has to be able to man the middle and, and the, the low guy wins in the line, in the trenches. I remember Rob Zaska telling us that right before the season started, low man wins that, that works on the offensive line. It works on the defensive line. Mm-hmm. So you got to get low. You got to get under, got to get under guys. And if you're stiff and tall, you're probably going to get blown over. So, and that's regardless yep. of what, uh, what your alignment is. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Boomer, I mean, you know, if I want to be the cynic here and, and think about the three, three, five and, um, and say that we're going to have, I mean, I've, I've heard things about three, three, five can, can capitalize on undersized guys that are athletic, but they're just not as big and, and, you know, they're tweeners and all that type of stuff. And, and I'm like, I listen to that, and I'm like, is, is that going to win the Big Ten? I mean, the Big Ten is pretty much straightforward, right? I mean, like, you got to be a low man, but you also need to be big and strong. And and sometimes um, what works in the Big 12 or uh, at Syracuse and the Atlantic Coast Conference is not what's going to result in, in wins at the Big Ten. And, and you think of a team like Minnesota on week one, Who's going to look at a three-three-five, and and they're just going to freaking run right at you. So I mean, like, I, I, how do you how you balance this uh, new approach with the reality of the Big Ten, which is like, I mean, I, I the thing is the Big Ten, in my opinion, and if there's anything I've learned over the last ten years of being in this conference, it's really good coaching going on here. I mean, and if you have a vulnerability, they are going to attack it. And so if they don't think we can stop the run. They're going to go after it. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting experiment, I think, how well this will work. It does seem to kind of, you know, the needs of the 335, from what we know about it, like you said, Dave, it requires that kind of speedier, more athletic kind of kind of player, and that seems to be what Rule likes to recruit. I mean, we've seen it just with who we've, who we've recruited already. They're going for those track-style athletes, the the smaller guys, the guys that may not have been the, the five-star guys, the development thing. So that that – defensive philosophy seems to kind of tie in with what rule likes as far as just players in general go with. So it, it, that kind of makes sense. Now it will be interesting to see, like you said, how does it match up in the big 10? Cause when you think about it, you got three down linemen. If you don't have a really solid nose tackle, like you said, to disrupt everything. And then if you know, your, your secondary has some trouble tackling or isn't quite what you want it to be, you're going to have some very big offensive linemen that are going to have plenty of time and be very free to smash things up as far as that goes. Now, the 3-3-5, my understanding is they line up, you know, they don't take gaps, they line up directly on the the offensive linemen, so you do have some opportunity to possibly confuse them, which gap you're going Mm -hmm. to, things like that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, maybe those first few weeks it could be, you know, we might have some advantages there. So it will be interesting to see how that matches up. And that's why it'll be fun to play Minnesota that first week, because that'll be a great test for how the Big Ten generally yeah, is going to work. Around. Well, it, it will also show. But it is interesting, though, like you said, though, Dave, that 
you know, this matches up with a, you know, with uh, Big 12 or ACC type teams. But you got Wisconsin who's bringing in North Carolina's offensive coordinator. So are they kind of switching to that sort of, you know, offense? Crazy, huh? We're going to see more of that. And there's real kind of planning for this to play teams like Ohio State's and the, the path happy Purdue's and things like that more. I don't know. So. Well, and really fast to see how this works. You also kind of show your cards a little bit right away in week one that to Rob's point about, you know, that there was a lot of multiple um, formations and things that only, you know, 40% of the time they ran three, three, five. All right. Well, Minnesota might be one of those games where if you've got heavy sets on defense, that might be the one or two times a year where you're going to pull that out. And that makes, I mean, look, that's part of game planning too. I mean, you can't just always yep, line up against, right. you know, every team the same way. And, and that same defense that you can use to to defend an Iowa or Minnesota maybe isn't the exact same one that you're going to turn around and use against a Michigan or an Ohio State. So, and as we all you know, know, if you come out and even front when they expect an odd, you throw out half the playbook <laughs> to start the game. Boomer, so, I mean, that'll be enough of that. Okay, that'll as long as we never have that again, that that would be it. you know, and that gets to, that gets to coaching, and and we'll have plenty of time this offseason to talk about that. But does the you know does the staff give you? confidence in what's being formed right now that we have you know a staff that can go play for play against these these staffs that have you know a lot more experience or guys that have been in the big 10 for a while yeah. we we went out and we got two sitting power five coordinators on the offense and defense i mean these are guys we, yeah. we got one from an sec team and got one from an acc team and that's pretty impressive they were younger guys which is part of what he said rule said right away that he wanted to get so um, I don't have any major issue with that. I was, I was, I've watched some shows where people have already they've had issue with you know uh, Rayola being brought back. I, you know, look, I, I think it's, I, I, I want to see how what these guys do together, and I want to see what what Rule is looking for because every guy that he got is somebody that he wanted. He didn't need to get any one of these guys. He was there. Was, no one's forcing him to do it. No one forced him to get Rayola. He didn't have to. Yeah, no, that's so, right. That's so right. That, that was by choice. And uh, and salary wise, he's got the salary to to give what he wants to give. So I mean that this the guys that he's getting are the guys that he wants. So yeah, yeah. We'll I what, mean that's a good point. He wants to do with them. A, a couple things there. One, um, I'd be curious if they actually spend all seven million. It kind of depends on what happens mm-hmm. with the quarterback and wide receivers coach. But we're going to yep. find out. Um, I generally am okay with the OC and DC hires. Satterfield, you know, again, I. I wish Jake Peets was coming here. I think the the Peets element with Satterfield could have been really interesting. Hopefully, there's a great QB coach uh, that maybe is a pass game coordinator that that really makes that that sing. Um, I'm 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 intrigued with White. I don't know exact. I again, if the guy's running a four three to Hockey's point, I'd, be, I'd probably be more excited. But if you take yeah. away the actual scheme, I mean, his resume and and everything else look looks great. I want to throw the a question. Only- oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. I, I just have one other point, but go fire away. Okay, well, what about Satterfield? All these coaches have coached multiple positions in the past. Mm-hmm. What if Satterfield, instead of being the tight ends coach, was a, was a quarterback coach since Pete's isn't coming here? What if, you know, so your offensive coordinator ends up being your quarterback's coach? Happens all the Which time. Which is typical. Maybe, maybe more typical than typical. being a tight ends coach, that's for certain. And so what would that open up? Imagine a second offensive line coach, maybe that also handled tight ends, okay, or something along those lines. But, but kind of the old Osborne thing about having two offensive line coaches and how beneficial that was to Nebraska for all those years. I, you know, I'm just throwing that out there. 
as as an idea that sure, sure. I, right now is listed as OC and tight ends coach. Um, but if he coached quarterback, since we didn't get Pete's, you know, that tight ends coach, you could easily hand that off to somebody else. Now you could also have the the special teams coordinator, Ed Foley, could also coach tight ends, which he's yeah, done, true. I believe, in the past. So, I mean, true. there's things you could do there. But there's, you know, really right now what, what we're missing in our coaching staff is we have two offensive hires that haven't been made yet. We, we don't have a wide receivers coach and we don't have a QB coach right now. We don't have the linebackers coach officially, but it sounds like they kind of have the the guy planned. So, is there a reason why they can't announce that linebackers coach? That's been a little confusing. I I don't know the specifics behind why yeah. Dvorak right, or well, something is is who. Yeah, yeah. It just seems like he's he's acting like the linebackers coach, but he. So, is it a, to your point, it seems like he's the linebackers coach, but we don't know yet, right? Yeah, we don't know. Um, but but the the thing is. How do you how do you align your guys? Because really, I think everyone thought Pete was going to be the guy, and then for background check or the drug test or something. Yeah. So for other for various for various reasons, whatever uh, Pete didn't accept it, he stayed it with uh, the Rams. Yeah, which is fine. I understand. I mean, he might might be the OC of the Rams next year, right? I mean, the OC of the Rams did leave, and now I mean, there could be other opportunities there. Rams right now. All right, let's not talk about the Rams. So, um, yeah, I, I see where you're going, Honk. I mean, I, and I think there's multiple options here for rule. Um, I still see potentially that there's a, a quarterback's coach that that brings a little extra spice to the offense. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of, lot of uh, opportunities out there, and the wide receivers coach is, is wide open as well. So I, I guess we're going to find out the thing I wanted to talk about just a little bit is that, and again, I'm, I'm fine with the coordinator hires, generally speaking, the, the, the show that you guys did last week that again, I, I missed, I'm sorry. Um, referenced. Um, I can't remember who on Nebraska sports radio did the, the work on the um, power oh, five slash NFL experience. Um and I'm mean, point well taken, but I feel like what was missed in that evaluation and conversation was it took NFL experience across the board. Like your NFL assistant coach, you know, stop that. That's all the same. Whereas Terrence Knighton, I, I, I think what's his nickname? Pork, pork chop. I love that nickname. It's great. Um, he's never actually led a position room before. Right. Um, and he obviously hasn't, you know, recruited at the college level. Um, I, I, I think NFL experience is is excellent. And you're a full time coach and that's all you're doing. Um, Rayola had that last year and the years before as a Chicago Bears assistant offensive line coach. Terrence Knight was an assistant D line coach. He was not the D line coach at Carolina. Mm-hmm. It wasn't his position group that it wasn't his room that he's running there's a difference there right um and so i don't know if that's really fair right i mean i i, I like guys that the, the guy at uconn i'm gonna miss his last name again rob i'm sorry ej ej barthel 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 um at least he ran his own room, right? He knows what he's doing. He is answering for the running running back position performance. Um, he's the guy. 
um, you know, promoting those guys in the offense, et cetera. I mean, I don't know what Terrence Knighton did at Carolina, right? But he wasn't the guy that was responsible for the performance of the D-line. He was just assisting the guy who was, you know, responsible for the D-line. So I'm really interested to see how those guys perform. Um, I don't think it's an apples to apples comparison. So that's, 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 I just wanted to bring that up. Any other, any other thoughts on that? No, I mean, that's, I, I think that's fair. I mean, it, if not all experience is the same. So if you're saying it's NFL experience, but it, you're not an assistant coach, then that's not, that's not apples to apples. If you're comparing it with someone that was. Um, yeah. So no, I mean, that that's fair. Look, you know, there is, there's $7 million that was very clearly laid out that they have available to their staff. So to your point there, Dave, I mean, it'll be interesting to see, do they spend it all? Um, but even it, whether they do or don't, this is the staff that he wants to build. So then it's, then it's, it, I guess this is the challenge. Yeah. If you end up, so, if you look next year, this is where, you know, the, the, the two and 10 first year thing, it would be a rough start. If we if we start zero and six, that's happened before, you know, with a new staff, right? Yes. And if you do that, and and it's because you know, and we're looking at it going, oh no, you know, we've got yeah, youth and inexperience. I mean, I don't know. Now, I would say that this is definitely from a coordinator standpoint. Again, this is a better start that we have right now than what we had under uh, Frost, bringing yes, in basically Shenander and then himself as the OC. So, you know, from that perspective, we. Yeah. I, that, that, that's exactly the point that I, I wanted to hammer home, Honk. So I appreciate it. Is, is that the seven million is a, a top ten coaching staff salary pool ballpark, right? Um, and um, when I heard that number, when the hire came out, I'm like, well, we should hire a top ten coaching staff. Now, I, I don't know if if Rule is going to be able to find ten guys. <laughs> That that was gonna row the same direction that he wanted to roll row to to be on his staff right, to justify seven million dollars, right? I'm a, I'm a little confused on why we needed seven million if we're hiring a first time defensive line coach and a, a first time uh, uh, you know power five running backs coach and, and and so forth, right? I think you could have got the same staff for considerably less money. Um, I've, I've, you known this for me for a while, guys. I mean, like this goes back to uh, the Riley hire where I was like, great, we're, we're finally going to get a first class coaching staff. And then he kind of brought in everybody that he, he knew from Oregon state. And uh, you know, the same thing with, with frost where it's like, let's go. And, and I was a little more vocal on the frost one, but you know, we kind of let it slide because, Hey, they just went 13 and oh, and I'm not going to complain about this. But uh, when you pay $7 million for your assistant coaching staff, you want guys that have done it before, right? And the fact that our D-line coach has never done it before, it's a little bit concerning, right? And, and, and so when, if we don't go 6-6 six and six next year, um, that's going to be the stuff that well, bubbles up, right? And there's a lot of unknowns right now. We don't know what they're being, getting paid yet. That, none of that's been released. We also are still two hires away from being done. Um, I think some of the some things have changed too since when they first threw those numbers out there. I mean, think about it. One of the guys that we talked about very much so right when the, that number was out there was Mickey, and that he'd be a, a big part of that, right? And he was he was a, a key part. Of it. We're two million dollar guys; they may not have. Yeah, 
Yeah. So that's it. You know, some, some things from that perspective have changed um, just in the last couple of weeks since the the day that they hired him, you know, Pete's and and Mickey being two guys that we probably would have thought were going to be on the staff. So, but you know, they, again, they are out there. They've, they've obviously had, uh, you know, a couple of big recruiting weekends here. They're doing some good things with recruiting. They're getting some guys to, to uh, flip back, you know, uh, the Jamari Butler there. Um, and I think that we'll see a couple of the guys, you know, flip back. So, I mean, they're, I don't know. It's just, it's hard right now to, it's hard to, to come to a conclusion on this because there's so many moving parts still with the, with the staff and everything. I get it. The people that are, you know, frustrated that they wanted bigger names. Um, when I, what I wanted to see was I wanted to see guys at the, the coordinator spot that had experience doing it. We've got that. Um, at the position level, you know, I really, I just, this is, it has nothing to do with Rayola being experienced or inexperienced. I love the idea of two offensive line coaches. I just do. I mean, that, that mirrors exactly what Osborne told us and everything I've ever read that it was a differentiator for us. I would, I'd love to see us get back to that. I mean, that's, but doubtful that's going to happen. Well, I think it'll be interesting to kind of compare how this staff works out when you compare it. And we mentioned it earlier, Colorado, they do seem to be kind of going for that flashier, more heavy experience weighted kind of rot, you know, coaching staff than, than, you know, That's true. Has, at least in terms of they're hiring head coaches experience. to be their OC. Well, yeah. <laughs> and their DC too. Cause I it was, as uh, who's their defense coordinator. Is it? Oh God, I can't even raise it. Uh, well, like a special like tight ends coach, Tim Brewster, wasn't he at a uh, Minnesota? Yeah, he was at Minnesota. Yeah, yeah, former head coach. Yeah. Yeah. And you could do that. Taggart's we have room, the rumored to be going there. So they've got a lot of, you know, I guess you want to call them flasher hires and, uh, sure. Uh, yeah, Charles Kelly, I guess, from Alabama is going to be their, you know, assistant D coordinator. I think a lot of it guy. is so, a lot of yeah. it is we'll we'll find out. Like right now, this conversation looks very different in in ten months. Um, if we struggle and we come out to that zero and six, sure, I mean that's a that's a problem, right? Um, but there's nothing to say that what Dion's building there is going to work with a bunch of the guys either. You know, it's so funny people get upset about the buddy stuff. But yet, you know, you want to – if someone's going to be doing a rebuild, you typically want to get some guys that that you know you can trust. And I know Rule experienced that at the pros where he went out and got some guys that he didn't. Yeah, yeah. And and that's part of his experience level right now is, you know, when I went away from the, the – the, you know, what I – you know, guys I knew, I ran into trouble. Yeah, so this is a great, great question. I know we probably want to talk about basketball a little bit, but I mean, nah, sorry, we'll probably like week, basketball tonight, last so. week's show. But I mean, like, this is a really interesting topic to me in the sense of like, I get what you just said there, there, honk. I mean, like, that rule wants guys that that believe in his system can follow along that he trusts, uh, and then t- to trust him, he needs to have experience with them. Right. So he's bringing guys in that he's worked with before. And he's like, that's a guy that I trust. That's going to help implement my system the way I see fit. Um, makes sense. I, I, I don't say that doesn't make sense from a leadership perspective. From a head coach. He also said when he got hired that he's like, like I chose to coach you talking to the existing players. And so he's asking for, for, you know, patience and buy-in from the existing roster saying, Hey, 
hey, let me, you know, like come to you and introduce what I believe in. And I'm going to show you what what I believe in, in my system. And we're going to get there together. Right. Um, and he's, he's asking those players to buy into his system. It is a little bit interesting to me that that he can't or doesn't is how to say this how to how is not willing to to take a risk on other good coaches that maybe he hasn't coached with before but he has he he doesn't know if he can convince them to fully buy into his system to coach the way he wants it to be coached right he has to hire somebody that he already knows will do what he wants done, right? It feels like he's asking the players to buy in, but he can't ask another assistant coach who maybe he doesn't have all the experience with to do the same thing. I'm a little confused on that. I, I still feel like we're having a conversation that's too early to have because there's there's multiple positions that haven't been hired yet, or there were things that went on, even when he made some of those statements that you're talking about. Again, if he'd have hired Pete and if he'd have hired Joseph, those would have been two guys right off the top that he hadn't worked with, right? Pete's he True. hadn't worked with Pete. Sure. So I mean, you're making right. he's making statements. Carolina connection that, there. Yeah, but he was making statements there that uh, were true. He worked with Pete one year, didn't he? Didn't work. He might he might have worked with Pete, but he didn't he didn't work with Joseph. And by all accounts, certainly was interested. I, it sounded like he was interested in in working with Joseph. Was going to try to make that that happen. Yeah, um, you know, obviously Rayola is someone that he did keep, so that's one of the coaches that he hasn't worked with before that he's keeping. One of the 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 three coordinators he's going to have, the defensive coordinator, is somebody he's never worked with before, and he's bringing in from the outside. So, I mean, there are he's he has demonstrated already examples. You know, now the whole staff's not going to be a whole bunch of guys he hasn't worked with before. No, I know. He's I, already. I appreciate he's, the conversation. Okay. Yeah, I, I, mean, I think, I I think mean, he's shown and we'll see again because there's still a couple more positions left. Now, if I was, if I had any frustration just from, I, I'm surprised that we don't know who our full staff is right now. I don't know what, I don't know what we're waiting on with that, but I don't know how much that's hurting us from a recruiting standpoint, because if, if he's able to go and tell recruits, Hey, for for whatever reason, I can't I can't publicly say that X Y Z is this coach, but this is the guy that will be yeah, coaching yeah. you. It, and then if some, I, I guess where where I came up with this whole idea, Hawk, to be honest with you, is Bill Bush because I'm like, if we don't have our linebackers coach announced, and and Bill Bush is so committed to, to the state yeah. and the university, and he wants to live here, he's proven that he's a co- a great coach. He's coached under multiple staffs and has been able to yeah. meld his his way to do things, and he's a great recruiter who got Joe Burrow to LSU. I mean, like, how can yep. you not take Bill Bush? I don't understand that. As a linebackers I, coach, you're still trying to fill it. Bill Bush should be recruiting right now. I don't get I, it. I, I don't have a good crazy. I don't have a good answer to that because he is you know my you and you Yeah, you, I'm just you, telling you, you, you me, I mean that like, doesn't make you sense. You hit me, me in a soft spot there because you know my thoughts on on Bush too. So I mean, yeah, he is it just it's so logical, right? I mean, so I'm just I'm just really surprised. That's all. Rob? So I, yeah, I just, I, I'm trying to think of like an analogy for Dave too, with like, okay, like if the coaches aren't, aren't, you know, if you, if you're going to bring in coaches on a, because you can't trust to bring in somebody new, but you expect these kids to buy in. I'm trying to think of like an analogy for it. And I'm almost thinking like, it, it's like if you're building a new business or maybe like you're starting a new department at a college, right? You're going to bring in a bunch of people with PhDs who've been studying the same subject for years and years and years 
to bring in like these undergrads and possibly grad students, you know, and to teach them, right, this new subject, right? Like you're starting a new, you're starting an entirely new department that nobody's ever had before, or, you know, people may have an idea about, but, you know, you're trying to bring in like a whole new class of students into this brand new department at this college, right? And all the people that you're bringing in are going to have to be people that have studied that subject for a long time in order to teach these kids the new subject, right? So, I mean, I can see why he would bring in a bunch of people that are familiar with his system. And maybe there's some other people that, you know, like uh, what was uh, white, right, is the one kind of outlier sort of while there are still some connections, but still he's an outlier for all intents and purposes, right? He hasn't coached with him before. Um, but he still has kind of the experience that he's looking for in the recruiting, et cetera. But I think that he's trying to build a certain culture. A lot of these guys are familiar with that culture. And if you can get enough people at the top who believe in that culture already from the beginning, then it's going to be easier to convince these kids that, you know, this is going to be the right fit for them and, and the right culture to, you know, I guess, uh, yeah, no, I understand that. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I understand. I appreciate that, Rob. Yeah, that okay. makes sense. I mean, you, you, your your leadership is um, aligned. It's going to be helper easier to to um, convince the the workers per se, right? I mean, yeah, still, and and eventually, still, I mean, after year one, year two, year three, we're going to see some changes in that staff, some tweaks. Maybe he does bring in some guys he's never coached with before yeah. because he realizes, okay, I'm going to need to make this adjustment. I'm just, you know. Yeah, we, we can move on. I, again, I uh, I apologize for missing last week because I felt like yeah. there was a lot to share. But yeah, I mean, like, my, my point, point here is that that if, if, if I, I feel like why I think it, it might be a worse season in year one than I think it should be is because of that. There's this element of transition that I think is going to happen with the rural regime, which I think you could you could patch together something where you get to six wins just by de facto because we're just more talented. But I don't know if that's going to be the way rule well, runs things, right? Well, so I, I think we're going to find out, and we'll find out very early because the the, the I don't know analogy, but what co- we should beat Colorado uh, by all means. Any anybody yeah. watching a Colorado team coming off of one and eleven horrible struggles that they've had to play them in week two, you have a perfect opportunity to see how for two different coaching staffs, what they did to rebuild in, in one off season. And if we go down there, if we look outclassed against Colorado, that would be a, that's a first year problem. We shouldn't be outclassed when we go and play Colorado. And if they, so, and I'm not saying we're going to be, I'm just that, that shouldn't happen. And Dion has gone out there and hired former head coaches to be his, his coordinators. I mean, they were splashier hires for what it's worth, but what rule said also on day one, because, we're kind of referencing things he said. He also said he was going to hire young guys. That was something right away. He's going to hire guys that have – a lot of them have been recruiting coordinators. A lot of them, you know, that's basically – that's where uh, – the what he said he wanted to hire is what he's gone out and hired. So that's that's pretty much where we're at. But the, the proof is going to be, you know, on the scoreboard. We'll find out here, and we'll find out very early. And now, Nebraska Ball. Uh, hockey, do you just want to even just touch on basketball for two minutes? You, yeah. you were at the game on, on the, over the weekend, right? Yeah, it was, you know, I, I like how this team plays. They're fun to watch. Um, they're not a coworker of mine has said forever. He's like, you know, to win this league, you need to have, uh, NBA talent 
Well, this team doesn't have that. Um, previous Nebraska teams did and were a lot worse than this one. This is a good team, but I think we, we lack, you know, that one or two, you know, one guy that maybe is that when we need an absolute point score that this guy can consistently do it time and time yeah. again. Now we have guys that have stepped up in different games, and that's awesome. It's great, but, you know, there's a moment where it's like, gosh, we need one point and we need one guy to score it. You know, I almost wish we could like, just take Bryce McGowan's off the bench for like, you know, for a minute at a time, score the point, and then go back, you know, get back off the off the, the court, you know, because these guys <laughs> play so well together. It's team basketball. It's it's tough nose yeah. defense. I love, I do love yeah. watching it. Um, it just it, wish that, we, and they rebound. I just wish that we could shoot a little better when we really need to to get a point. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna find out. Boomer. Uh, so they, we have K State on Wednesday. And then Queens College, is that right? Yeah, which we believe is somewhere in England from the last time we checked. So yeah, we're, we're <laughs> gonna go with that. So if I've been trying to do the math on this, and anybody else can fill in, so we've already played two of our twenty Big Ten games. Is that right? Correct. Twenty yes. game conference schedule. Um, and so if we could happen to beat K State, and then Queens College, glory be to God. Uh, we'd be eight and four, correct. With eighteen games to go, no, we've lost five games. We'd be eight and five. Yeah, yeah there we go. Eight yeah, and five. Works. Okay, that makes it even tougher. I'm just trying to figure out how many games we need to win in the Big Ten with eighteen to go to get to five hundred. Because if you're five hundred, then you can play NIT. Keep in mind you have a, a Big Ten conference tournament that you need to go one-on-one in, I guess, to stay 500. But I'm just trying to, like, math-wise, like, you know, we're 0-2 already. Do we – can we can we get there with, with an 8-12 record, essentially? Can we get there with a 7-13 and record? It sounds like 8-12 uh, and wouldn't even get us there. We have to go 9-11, and is that right? Which means 9 out of the next 18? Well, wow, you know, the, the key would be happen. winning those the games at home court. I think would be the you know starter. I mean, you saw how electric that crowd could be against Purdue. Now we have nine Big Ten home games left. Yeah, so I think if I'm not if saying you go you're going to win all those, but if you have a good chance at them, you know that that gives you a good opportunity to win some of those games. So six and at three, home, maybe on that Ohio State at home. You know, I was uh, just trying so, to give Honky a nugget where we could get to the right. NIT. I, I don't know if it's it's plausible. Yeah, and then, I mean, there's there's possibilities there. I mean, you know, we we get Penn State twice. You know, they're okay, but they're not world beaters. You get Minnesota twice, so you know, there's there are opportunities mm-hmm. for multiple mm-hmm. wins in conference, mm-hmm. at least. And like I said, you pick up some of those, you win the majority of those home games. This team has something there. They're 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 much more fun to watch than Husker teams have been as of late. Without um, scoring as many points, yeah, which is crazy. I mean, it's it's not you know Doc Sadler depression watching it, but you know, <laughs> they're, they're fun to watch at least. And you know, I, I went into that Purdue game expecting absolutely nothing, and exited just completely pissed off at referees and stuff like that. And you know, they got me emotionally invested again. They drew me back in just when I didn't think it would matter anymore. You you, you took the refereeing really personal, which I don't blame you because it was bad. Yeah, that was really bad, and it. I mean, it, well, you they know, screwed when, us out of a win. Yeah, when like, but you know, Bohannon of Iowa even said it was a crap call. Yeah, I mean that that tells you what it was, and you know, it got a few Twitter spats with people over that saying, "Well, uh, you know, sure, we 
the refereeing was bad, but we they sure, missed their chances. Could have won other well. ways, yes. Yeah, but we, at the yeah, same we time. did miss chances to win that game. But you know who else missed a lot of chances to win that game? Purdue. They were like over eleven <laughs> towards the end of that game shooting, but they get bailed out by the refs in that game. And now they're number That's, one in the country. Yeah, now they're number one in the country. That makes a big difference when refereeing sucks. Arizona. I mean, yeah, both teams did a lot game. to lose that game and missed lots of chances to to just straight up win it. But one team got a heck of a lot of benefits in it and got calls going. No, their no, way. Rob, I, I did yeah. win. I, I rarely bet on Nebraska on anything, but I took the eight and a half points. Well, that was a smart this bet, game, right? and that They're was a, a very team. smart bet. That was an easy victory. Um, uh, to your point, I mean, I mean, you put a lot into like, I mean, hey, I mean, Purdue is a Final Four type team probably the best team in the big 10 do you have has your expectations changed yeah absolutely i i think that we can go 500 if not better in the rest of the league based off of the schedule um the way that like losing to indiana the way they did they they played with them pretty well with like 75 percent of the game they they kept up and then you know playing, there, yeah. playing indiana in indiana that's that's never an easy game regardless of what year it is really even when indiana's bad right their, their home record is generally pretty good beating almost beating purdue who then gets ranked number one in the country by barely beating um you know a historically poor program in nebraska i'm still really confused on the whole how that happens sort it's of thing funny, yeah. Just default. There's no. Yeah, I, and I know it's default. Yeah. I know it's default. I I get that. I just, you know, I'm I'm just trying to figure it out. Move and sorry if I keep looking over my shoulder here, but Creighton is down one with 21.6 seconds, and Arizona State has the ball to, uh, you know, coached by the great we Bobby. Ruined Creighton basketball, Rob. Yeah. We, well, you know what? Maybe maybe um, Creighton or Nebraska will be again like what teams did in football, right? Like, is this the curse? Of, yeah, it's the curse right now. Maybe Purdue's going to lose their next six games. That's or right. I think. I think if we learned anything, though, you know that that lost Indiana, not having Sam there in the first three or four or five games, whatever the season was, where we didn't have Walker. I mean, it's yeah. important that we Everybody. have those two guys. That we need those guys to be be healthy and and playing. Uh, that's the one thing that we can least afford right now. And so, heaven forbid, knock on wood, and everything, not having any injuries. Uh, we at the very least need to be at, at full strength as we get into the the meat of the Big Ten schedule here going into next year. But these next two games, I mean, yeah, that 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 K State game feels a lot like a, a must win, and Queens must, too is the, must, must win from a get to the postseason type idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And when we talk about postseason, we're talking NIT that. here. You know. Yeah, is Walker becoming the the Walker actually is? That's not even a question. I'm never going to pose a rhetorical question here. Walker is becoming the type of player that I wanted him to be last year more. Like he is this year. He's kind of that guy in the middle that may not be as tall as the big guys, but he's got the body and the strength to really just go there and go to the board. It's the smarts him. too. I mean, it's oh position. my god, his his play this year is actually making Nebraska basketball fun because that inside out game. Everything. If Tomanaga could just be more consistent, they would be one of the better teams in the Big Ten. Because if he could hit um, Greasel, if he could be a little bit more consistent, I really like his game. But he also kind of needs somebody else on the outside to open up. You know, his ability to either yeah, he just he needs somebody to open it up so he can take that three pointer or like dribble it in a couple steps for that mid range shot and consistently hit it. Um, you know. And with Walker on the inside there, like I said, it only takes, you know, two, three consistent players on a team like in the Big Ten. To well, we're going to see. So. Yeah. 
All right. Uh, all right. I, I know we're running along, and so let's let's uh, start getting out of here a little bit. Um, any, Honky, anything else before we hit the parting shots? No, I think that's that's all. Vegas Jer saying it's a, a marathon show. I apologize, Vegas Jer. I just just had to ask some questions. I, I needed some answers, man. Uh, all right, let's get out of here. Uh, let's start with Rob. Well, I would just like to say that I'm super proud of our volleyball team and the effort that they put in this year. They lost their basically the quarterback of their team towards the end of the season, which is never any in any sport. It's never you know easy to do. Um, they gave brilliant effort. Uh, enjoyed watching every single minute of it. I'm really looking forward to next year because they're a super young team. I'm looking forward to this basketball season with Nebraska ball. Um, I'm hoping to see them actually make the actual NCAA tournament because NCAA tournament does look at quality losses. And um, I'm also looking here with no time left on the clock. It looks like Creighton has lost to Arizona State. Wow. All right. Uh, All right. Boomer. Uh, well, first thing, you know, I did want to remind our listeners uh, for our competitions, we, we still have some glossies of uh, honky eating shrimp. So if anyone does want some of those, I can certainly. It's like weak old shrimp right there, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I can certainly mm-hmm. arrange to have those autographed and uh, given out as prices as well if you're interested in one of those. So, And the best part is you could have it autographed by any one of the Redcast. It doesn't have to be honky. <laughs> it could be a picture of Redcast honky eating shrimp signed by Redcast Rob. I mean, who wouldn't it's want true. something like well, that? Well, so. I think honky. I might have the best be, signature of the group, really. That, that honky got turned down for an autograph this week i think well i mean i wouldn't want it either that's fair yeah. but uh like no then, i'm good uh, thanks yeah in a more mellow note i think most of our listeners are aware of the the health issues with mike leach it, it's sounding fairly grim just from what we know you know tonight and exactly. you know regardless of what team he's been on he's just been enjoyable to watch in his press conferences and his dealing with media and fans and just always been just entertaining as a coach, as someone on media and just being willing to just talk about anything and just put his heart in anything he talks about. So, you know, we'd like to hope something good comes of it. I, I We don't know if it will, but, you know, the thoughts certainly go out to, you know, to Leach and his family and, you know, the entire Mississippi State nation at this point. So, Yep, absolutely. All right, Honky, get us out of here. Yeah, I, well, I want to echo Boomer there. And, and one of the things about Leach that was so – he had such a unique style. Nobody, there's nobody like him. You know, he was it. And uh, the things that he did, you know, and today he, he brought a lot of fun to college football where, uh, you know, everything's kind of corporate and stodgy and you, you're careful with what you say and all that. And he just goes out there and Boomer was sending us videos today of some of his press conferences and, um, and just some of his, his all time greats. So, you know, I, I guess I'll, I'll turn this to, to Husker football a little bit on my party shot when we talk about style and coach, one thing about rule, I didn't realize this about rule nearly as much until he actually got here. I didn't know how he talked and that and everything. He is, you know, a son of a preacher, man. He is, you know, he goes out and evangelizes about things, you know, and and I made a statement when we were looking for a coach, I didn't, I didn't have a name. I didn't know who would be, but I I referenced Devaney, his first off season, when he came here, he needed to make Nebraska fans feel good after 20 years of losing. And that's what Devaney did. He went around the, the state and he went to every little nook and cranny and and talked to fans and just told them how important they were right and it and if you go out and lose a whole bunch of football games it's it's a moot point but it was still that was something that was important at that time i see rule being a really capable coach of that right now of just making 
fans hopefully start to feel good about things. You can even you can even disagree with something schematically he's doing, and yet you listen to him. You go, "Holy smokes, man!" I mean, that that's a positive right now. I mean, the, the guy that can you know talk himself into you know not being you know you know terrible at every press conference and everything. I mean, that's a that's a, a strength there. So. Anyways, I'm excited to see uh, him get done with the staff. Hopefully, we'll have a full staff to talk about here by the next Redcast. And uh, but other than that, just go big red. Absolutely. All right, good stuff, guys. Uh, we're working our way into uh, bowl season. Um, maybe we'll get some best bets out there via Twitter, but I don't think we need to take a dive into it uh, tonight. So for now, let's call that a go big red cast. Go big red. GBR. A Heard at Sports Network production.